Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I can't remember. Is that the best defense in the Russia investigation? It's at least becoming more and more popular. And leaving on a jet plane, President Trump kicks off his longest foreign trip yet, plus the president's claim of revenge. Do the facts back it up? This is the State of America tonight. At that meeting, then-candidate Trump heard out George Papadopoulos. I don't remember much about that meeting. It was a very unimportant meeting. One of the great memories of all time. If she really can't remember, she can't be president. She doesn't remember anything. The president departed on his high-stakes Asia trip. He is heading to five countries. This as tension keeps escalating with North Korea. North Korea is a thing that I think we will solve. And if we don't solve it, it's not going to be very pleasant for them. We may have a meeting with Putin. We may, and again, Putin is very important because they can help us with North Korea. Syria. They can help us with Syria. Hello, everyone. I'm, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. Wheels up for Air Force One. President Trump on his way to Asia, kicking off the longest foreign trip of his presidency and the longest Asia trip for any sitting president, any sitting president since George H.W. Bush. Hugely consequential in and of itself, especially with new threats coming from North Korea at almost every turn. And he's also bringing along quite a bit of political baggage as well. And it's all about Russia. First up, Attorney General Jeff Sessions facing new questions over statements under oath like this. You don't believe that surrogates from the Trump campaign had communications with the Russians. Is that what you're saying? I did not, and I'm not aware of anyone else that did. And I don't believe it happened. Enter Carter Page, a former Trump campaign foreign policy advisor. He just testified before Congress that he told Sessions that he was traveling to Russia during the campaign. Remember, this is the same Jeff Sessions, of course, who was forced to recuse himself from all things Russia-related because he didn't tell the truth about his own meetings with Russians during the campaign. Now, Democrats want Sessions back in for more questions. Well, uh, again, he seems to have problems telling the truth on this subject. That's why I want him to answer these questions. That's why I want him to testify again. But ultimately, whether or not he committed perjury will be, again, I believe, Bob Mueller's call. While they try to jog his memory there, President Trump may need his memory jogged over here. Another foreign policy advisor, another campaign meeting, and... Another claim involving Russia. This time, it was to set up a meeting between then-candidate Trump and Vladimir Putin. When asked about it today, the president said this. I I don't remember much about that meeting. It was a very unimportant meeting. took place a long time. Don't remember much about it. That may very well be true. But this is also the very same president who stood almost in that very same spot last week 
and said this. There's no hesitation. One of the great memories of all time. There was no hesitation. Great memories of all time. Greatest memory or not, you will likely remember that the president has previously made it very clear there was no contact with any Russians during the campaign. Can you say whether you are aware that anyone who advised your campaign had contacts with Russia during the course of the election? Well, I told you, General Flynn obviously was dealing, so that's one person, but he was dealing as he should have been. During the election? No, no nobody that I know of. Nobody so you're not aware of any contacts during look, the course look. of the election? How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia yes no is a it? ruse. Americans, though, don't necessarily seem to agree, at least right now. A new Washington Post-ABC News poll shows that nearly half of Americans believe Trump likely committed a crime in connection with Russia's meddling in the in the election. 58% of Americans approve right now of how the special counsel is handling that Russia probe, an investigation that is now entering the president's inner circle and asking questions about his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. We're told that investigators have asked witnesses about uh, whether Kushner played any role in the firing of Comey. And we've heard different accounts from sources. Some say Kushner was a driver of the president's decision. Others simply say that he didn't oppose it and that it was something that the president had already made up his mind about, that he was intent on doing this. Well, now even some of the president's supporters are starting to say it's time for Kushner to go. I think it's time for Jared Kushner to go home. Jared Kushner was very much involved in the Manafort decision. He was involved. He said, don't fire Comey on day one when Jeff Sessions and Steve Bannon were saying you either have to fire Comey day one or you're stuck with him. He said, don't fire him. And then in May, he said, fire him. Well, speaking of firings, more like firing back, actually, after ISIS claimed some responsibility for the terror attack in New York this week. Eight people were killed in that attack. Many others were injured. And the president says he is retaliating. Every time we're attacked from this point forward, and it took place yesterday, we are hitting them 10 times harder. So when we have an animal do an attack like he did the other day on the west side of Manhattan, we are hitting them 10 times harder. Now, seriously, 10 times harder would be a major escalation in the military fight against ISIS. But the fact is, right now, there's no evidence that that is actually happening publicly available data released by the U.S.-led coalition fighting ISIS shows that airstrikes against ISIS have remained constant over the last few days. Of course, there are always special operations forces, but what the reality is ISIS has suffered multiple battlefield setbacks in recent weeks, losing many of its cities. They're left with a few small towns on the Iraq-Syria border, so there are just fewer targets to strike. So to be clear, it is still unclear what exactly the president means when he says we are hitting them back 10 times harder. What is clear, though, is that the president would like everyone to focus their attention over here. Drama with the Democrats. A former chair of the Democratic National Committee is claiming in a new book that Hillary Clinton's campaign essentially bought and controlled the Democratic Party while there was still a contested Democratic primary happening. There was another Democrat still running for the nomination. And while there's not yet evidence that anything illegal happened, Bernie Sanders supporters now say they have been vindicated. Is Senator Sanders angry? Well, I can tell you that I am angry, uh, certainly. uh, And I'm angry not just for myself, but for the uh, millions and millions of people who participated in the Democratic primary process. The rank and file of the Democratic Party, 
should choose the nominee of the party, not party elites. And for too long, party elites have dominated what goes on at the very top of the Democratic Party. One Democrat whose name has been mentioned as a possible 2020 Democratic contender definitely is not mincing any words now. Do you agree with the notion that it was rigged? Yes. All right. All right is right. And while seeming to revel in being able to resurrect his crooked Hillary nickname, that is not enough for the president. The president is also lashing out once again against the Justice Department over all of this. I'm really not involved with the Justice Department. I'd like to let it run itself. But honestly, they should be looking at the Democrats. They should be looking at Podesta and all of that dishonesty. They should be looking at a lot of things. And a lot of people are disappointed in the Justice Department, including me. But remember, folks, he is the head of the U.S. government, which by definition means he can set policy priorities for said Justice Department. But maybe somebody should remind him of that. There's no hesitation. One of the great memories of all time. There was no hesitation. All right. I forgot. All right, let's take that great memory and let's head overseas. President Trump is en route to Hawaii right now. It's a quick pit, pit stop of sorts before embarking on this 12-day tour of the Asia-Pacific region. Seeing as Ryan Nobles is in Honolulu, ahead of the president's arrival and visit there. Ryan, what is the White House saying about this trip, this very big trip? Well, they really see this as an opportunity for the president, Kate, to marshal kind of all the resources in the Asia-Pacific region uh, and use it as an opportunity to come up with some sort of plan to deal with the North Korean regime of Kim Jong-un. This is obviously a very important trip and a very important topic, particularly for all these leaders in this area. He's going to travel to Seoul, South Korea. He's going to be in Beijing and meet with leaders in China. And of course, he's going to go to Tokyo as well. These are all very important people that play an important role uh, in this conversation as to how to keep this area safe. But it's difficult to to see uh, how much focus that the president has uh, on this particular topic, because uh, at least his public comments right now have to do with things happening in Washington. And in the past, when he's made these trips overseas, it's been an opportunity to kind of remove himself from the controversies of his administration and focus on these issues overseas. And he's done relatively well in these settings. Uh, So far, though, uh, in route here to Hawaii, the president's been active on his Twitter feed and he's talked about everything except for what uh, the challenges that he is facing here uh, on this trip. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with all of that over this uh, very important trip, the longest of his administration. And as you mentioned, one of the longest trips by any president to the Asia-Pacific region. I guess the folks who are in charge of the scheduling for the trip are probably happy, at least on anything else but the trip at hand. But we'll see exactly how this plays out. There are multiple days ahead and multiple time zones to deal with. It's tough for anybody. Great to see you, Ryan. Thank you. (laughs) But Ryan, of course, has the hardest job of all. He's in Honolulu. Coming up, how is this for a, for a week? Indictments, guilty pleas, your son-in-law is now facing questions, and your attorney general still just can't seem to remember. Is the president feeling the heat of the rest of the investigation, or is this more of the same? And everyone's eyes are just glazing over. The panel is next. Another day, another series of wild revelations with regard to the Russia investigation. Any other week, today would be a bombshell with everything that's kind of coming out. But when you start the week with the former campaign chairman facing indictment and now being under house arrest, 
I guess you should call that some perspective. Or should we all just say that we don't remember and head home right now? The panel tonight. Rebecca Berg is a CNN political analyst. I'm having too much fun already. Steve Rogers is a member of President Trump's re-election advisory board. And Peter Beiner is a CNN political commentator and a contributing editor at The Atlantic. All right, friends, so many details, so little time. Let's jump into it. Rebecca, you get the first one because you're solo. Um, we started the week with two indictments, one guilty plea with folks connected to your campaign, and now more meetings with Russia where Russia was the topic, but folks don't remember it. And your son-in-law is now facing questions about the firing of your former FBI director because he was fired over Russia. How does this all add up? Well, it doesn't look good for the president, certainly, as this is all going on, as we are learning this new information about uh, potential attempts at collusion by people who were actually in his campaign. I mean, this is a significant week, Kate, because we've been asking for months, was there any collusion between Donald Trump's campaign mm -hmm. or Donald Trump himself and Russia? And now we know uh, through the admission of George Papadopoulos that at least one person on Donald Trump's campaign attempted to dig up dirt on Hillary Clinton by working with Russian nationals. I mean, so partial answer to the question, uh, and clearly many more answers uh, await in the months to come. And this is an investigation that we're expecting to stretch into 2018, uh, including further indictments potentially, mm -hmm. um, and impacting potentially right. I mean, they just, they just set a trial date for Paul Manafort into May. That's straight into the 2018 election. But Steve, make the case for me that this wasn't a bad week. This was a good week for Donald Trump. Make the case. It's always a good week for Donald Trump, and I'll make the case. Because your name's Donald Trump Rebecca or what? I mean, what's the basis of it? So Keep going. Rebecca framed it very, very well, Kate. She said the word potential, potential collusion. And we all know that collusion is not a criminal act. What's a criminal act is conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been able, they meaning uh, Robert Mueller, haven't been able to connect anything to that, uh, a conspiracy to commit some sort of a criminal act. So that's why it's a good week, and I think it's going to remain to be a good, many good weeks for the president, because in my view, and you know how I feel, there's really nothing there. So it's a good week when, you haven't, when conspiracy hasn't yet been proven, Peter. I actually think that the reason Donald Trump is doing okay politically has nothing to do with the substance of this. It has everything to do with what happened with Jeff Flake and Bob Corker. Oh, I tell think, me. Because I think what we've seen in the last few weeks is that, look, to, to impeach Donald Trump, you're going to need some Republican support, right? And, because and I think, it's a political process. Because it's, it's not a political a legal process. process, and you need two-thirds of the members of the Senate. That's the ultimate end game yeah. here, potentially, right? That's the, and, and the truth is, what we've seen is, instead of Republicans becoming more willing to go out and take on Donald Trump, they're actually becoming less willing. The Republican Party is actually as scary as it is for me, to, as someone who thinks <laughs> Donald Trump is a nightmare for the country, the Republican Party is actually consolidating around him. The polls among Republicans are holding up for him. And so it's harder for me to imagine a dozen Republicans breaking ranks on impeachment today than it was a month ago. Well, and to kind of to Peter's point, Rebecca, David French, a conservative writer that uh, mm -hmm. a lot of folks read um, here in the U.S., no fan of Donald Trump, considered actually running for a millisecond to run against right. him. He wrote this in an opinion piece earlier this week. If you live as I do in the heart of Trump country, you know there is no chance that the indictment of Donald Trump's ex-campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, or the guilty plea of a former foreign policy advisor, George Papadopoulos, will alter our political dynamics. Mr. Trump's supporters will stand by their man. So what does this mean then? Nothing matters? No, I wouldn't say that. But, 
you have to take uh, ultimately the sum total of this investigation. And you so have to no because one... it, there's so many little pieces, exactly. so many. It's like it's like an episode of the Game of Thrones, which is impossible to follow on a good day. There are so many characters. And so uh, the challenge for Democrats and Republicans who oppose the president will be to explain this investigation as it goes along and at the conclusion of the investigation, um, if it is as complicated as it is right now. There are so many characters to keep track of. Uh, someone like George Papadopoulos, who the public was not necessarily aware of right. uh, before this week. Um, and so it is difficult for it to resonate in the public for that reason. And of course, most people in America, their main concern um, in terms of the president is tax reform, health care, mm -hmm. policy issues that affect them every day of their lives and not necessarily the Russian Because the, the numbers are fascinating. fascinating. The recent poll numbers, that 49%, almost half the, half the people polled, thought that Donald Trump likely committed a crime with regard to Russia. They think that Mueller's handling of the investigation, 58% of them approve of how it's going so far. Um, and 68% approve of charges being filed against Paul Manafort. I mean, why wouldn't it be like 99 if he's actually done, <laughs> laundered the money that he said that he did? But with all of this, I just wonder, does it come back down to that the president feels comfortable because he cares about the base? But where is this broadening of the base? I'll, I'll tell you, Kate, what, what, what I believe really is going on. I think the people are tired. They're just tired of tired all of this. What? Tired of they're, what, they're, though? They're tired of the constant barrage of leaks, the constant barrage of uh, a, a constant investigation, whether it be Republican or Democrat. They are concerned about their taxes, their quality of life. We're concerned well, don't about... Don't people want to know if... They, do, do, but do you, at your core, think that people don't care anymore? That, that, if, that if, if there was... If you have a definitive answer in the end... When Mueller's done with his investigation, if there was any collusion, any obstruction, any anything, do they not care? Yeah, I, I believe at the end of the day, sensible people do care. Okay. But, but right now, what they do care about, as we said, their quality of life. We, we have a real difficult time with North Korea right now. They're concerned until about then. overseas. But until then, let it run its course. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, and again, in my view, they're going to find out that they were going down a rabbit hole regarding the president. Final thought? Uh... Look, we have no idea, but I think one of the reasons Donald Trump is so worried is that if you give someone with the power that Robert Mueller has to go and look into Donald Trump's business dealings, uh, I, I think uh, if I were Donald Trump, I'd be concerned about that. But that will cross a red line, is what Donald Trump said. Let's talk about other red lines that Donald Trump might be setting <laughs> with regard to Mr. I just thought of it. Thank you so much. Coming up, <laughs> President Trump is hitting the road. 12 days, five countries, two summits, a grueling itinerary, honestly, for anybody. Um, and it hasn't even been tried since George H.W. Bush. So what could possibly go wrong, everyone? That's next. The United States has great strength and patience. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. President Trump there belittling the North Korean leaders, Rocket Man, once again. Remember, that was at the United Nations General Assembly meeting in September. If that's what he's comfortable saying at the UN, what will the president say when he is within missile range of South Korea, in South Korea and Japan? Let's figure it out. Let's discuss this. If Peter, this has been this is my question. And there are there are so many different important topics to be discussed on the trip, and they will be hit on multiple summits, multiple leaders. You know all this all this stuff. But 
overall with the threat from North Korea. If there's another North Korean test while he is there, what happens? We don't know. And one of the things that's, I think, so frightening is that it seems like Secretary of State Tillerson has been trying to establish some form of communication with North Korea, right? We really don't but know that. Right after he's, but then he's getting well, his legs cut out. That's exactly right? the right. I think one of the reasons that Bob Corker was so terrified and the reason he used that World War III phase is that I think he has a, he has a sense that Trump is preventing the U.S. government from actually developing effective channels of communication with North Korea. That's very frightening given the fact that we don't know how the North Koreans are necessarily going to interpret Donald Trump to highly erratic leaders in a situation where there could be further tests and there could be ambiguity. That, I think, is really the frightening part. But also, at the very same time as he heads over there, the president's unpredictability on foreign policy, his blunt and unconventional, as we are very used to now, his approach to foreign policy, it's well known now. I mean, I've heard that foreign leaders, they don't even pay attention to his Twitter feed anymore because they just see it as noise. It's not the real policy coming out from the United States. So does that mean expectations are lower for the president heading overseas now? Potentially. I mean, there is a sense that his style of governing, shall we call it, has become a little bit normalized, even abroad. Uh, But not necessarily in the context of North Korea, and that's one of the most pressing foreign policy challenges and national security challenges that the president faces as he goes uh, on this trip. We've seen um, that uh, Kim Jong-un responds Mm -hmm. to the president's tweets uh, with very strongly worded statements, with continued tests, um, as a show of strength against the president and against the United States in front of his people. And so um, I wonder if some of these leaders, uh, as they're having conversations with the president in Asia, will try to impress upon him how delicate the situation is with North Korea and that maybe he should tone down his rhetoric uh, in that case specifically. Steve, what do you think the president needs to get out of this trip? Well, he's going to get a coalition of countries in that region to stand up against North Korea. I believe he is. You know, to there's the- a coalition standing up now. What do you think? What's the he leaves North. He leaves North Korea. He leaves this. He returns from this trip, and it's a, set, a success because he's gotten what? Is it China saying I'll complete? We'll completely cut off all trade with North well, Korea. Look, I believe that he will have China step up more. Keep in mind that China does not want to see a war in that region. They, they've got a lot to lose. Second of all. The president said from the outset he wants them to believe he's unpredictable. So when he goes out and he makes these statements, he's showing strength. Many, many years, Republican and Democrat got us to the point we are now. And as the president said, the only way you deal, believe me, it's like dealing with a thug in the street with this North Korean dictator. The only way to deal with him is to let him know that there will be a price to pay if you cross that line. He's not wrong. That It has been decades of failed policy or just ineffective policy to get North Korea to change their way. Right. It's been ineffective because North Korea has a very rational reason, as horrific as this regime is, for having nuclear weapons. They see what happens to America's adversaries when they don't have nuclear weapons, yeah. right? They saw see what happened to Saddam yeah. Hussein. They saw what some, right? Right. So, so there, yes, there's a reason that American policies, in fact, the negotiations of the Clinton administration were the most effective in slowing down the North Korean program, even though they cheated and we cheated, which is the part that doesn't get discussed <laughs> as much. We didn't deliver the fuel that we were supposed to deliver. Donald Trump's way, increases the risk of miscalculation, which could be horrific. Can I ask you guys about one other thing? We have no time per usual left. Um, what do you make of the president today saying that, he, that basically the United States has retaliated 10 times harder uh, against ISIS after, these, after the New York City attack? 
Um, the data does not support that. I'm wondering, what is the president saying? I'll, I'll tell you what he's talking about. We are decapitating ISIS very, very severely in the Mideast. And I'm sure as we speak, there's special operation forces doing a lot of damage to them. They lost Raqqa last week. And I understand, and I heard a report today, that the bombings are absolutely increasing rapidly on a lot of that's their right. uh, but operations. But that's what we don't see. Well, you won't see. Right. from the Pentagon. And and they're in, they're, they have to report it. We, we also know that there have been, according to one report, more civilian casualties uh, in the first few months of the Trump administration than there were in the last three years of the Obama administration. So I think it probably is true that Donald Trump is allowing the military to attack with fewer restrictions. That may have some benefits. It has real costs, too. Well, and the other, the other thing that I do wonder is what about this whole not telegraphing our military moves and what we're going to do when you say it's unpredictable, but he's telling him we're going to hit you back ten times harder. A little bit of, I don't know. Mixed messaging. But I still have the best memory of everybody at this table. I'm just saying it. Great to see all of you. Thank you so much. This is day 288 of President Trump's administration. That's the state of America tonight. Remember, you'll see us back here next week. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.